Thank you, Jonathan. It is so good to have you with us here at Living Waters. Uh, we've gotten to know you over the years and appreciated everything that you do. So uh, what we're going to do here, Jonathan, is we're going to take five minutes and I have some questions to ask you just so that we can get to know you. Because some in our community uh, have gotten to know you, others haven't. So that'll help us uh, warm up to you. And then I've asked you to share a 10-minute scriptural reflection on the topic of gospel to the ends of the earth. And so uh, I'll get you to share that. Does that sound good to you, Jonathan? Well, that sounds fantastic. And uh, thanks again for having me. Oh, our pleasure. Our pleasure. So, Jonathan, uh, why don't you start off by just telling us about how God called you into global work? All right. Well, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, for everybody, it's a little bit different. Uh, for me, I actually felt a real call to missions when I was in high school. Um, you know, for me, it's probably a little bit different than uh, some people. I actually grew up overseas. My parents, uh, they were missionaries. And uh, I was actually in India at a school there uh, when I was in high school. And before this, I had actually wanted to become a doctor. That was kind of a passion of mine. Um, but when I was in India, I just saw the need physically, spiritually, um, and just the, the spiritual darkness that was there. And uh, the Lord really put it on my heart that he was calling me to, uh, to get involved in global work. Um, it was right there before my eyes and I saw it. And so there was that seed that was planted, you know, deep in my heart at that time. And so I've had a, a passion for Asia uh, really since that time. Uh, so for me, it was more of, um, you know, in a sense, I'd say a, a Moses call. Uh, like I really felt the Lord saying, you know, go uh, and and do this. Uh, for some other people, like for my wife, Vera, uh, we sometimes talk about it as for her, it was more of an Isaiah call, uh, which is, you know, if you remember Isaiah chapter six, the Lord said, uh, who will go? You know, he didn't just pick somebody and say, you must go, uh, kind of like he did with Moses, but who will go? And Isaiah said, you know, here am I, send me. Um, and for for my wife, uh, for Vera, I grew up in Ukraine and, uh, you know, had a, a different kind of path to, uh, to global work. And uh, she just saw the need and she was like, you know what, if I can do anything, uh, then I will get involved. Lord, use me. Um, and so it wasn't a, a specific burden for a country. It wasn't a specific, you know, moment where she could say, yes, you know, this was when God called me. Uh, so for different people, it's different. Uh, for me, it was very specific. Um, very clear for Vera is more like, Hey, you know what, God, if you can use me, I'll go. And, uh, I mean, it was pretty interesting for her, her education, her background was in linguistics. Uh, so she basically has a master's in Chinese, uh, reads, speaks, writes, you know, four languages fluently. And that's opened up a lot of doors. You know, she didn't do that to get involved in global work. That was just kind of a passion of hers. And yet that's opened so many doors. So, uh, so maybe even somebody watching this morning, you know, Maybe you say, well, I don't have a, a specific call for one country or for one kind of ministry, but maybe God's put it on your heart and you can say, you know what, Lord, here am I, uh, send me. And uh, he's given you gifts and talents and, you know, he can use that for his glory. Um, you know, but for us, uh, it's always been a desire as well to work in kind of more restricted places, um, you know, areas where the gospel has not been really made known or made known widely. And so after we were married, we were in Ukraine for a while, and then we went to China. And then the last, uh, basically the last 15 years, we've been in Asia. 
in various uh, kind of contexts. So that's a little bit about how we got over and a little bit about the call that we felt in our own lives. So in the midst of that call, you've served in different locations, but also through different stages of life, married, married with kids through a pandemic. How has that call changed and, and, uh, and morphed in the midst, in the midst of that? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. It'll be uh, this year, it'll be 20 years that I've been overseas now. First went over as a single guy uh, doing a missions internship. And uh, yeah, then married, then married with kids and uh, changing locations. Um, you know, some are very open, like Ukraine. You could uh, you know, talk about it all on social media, all that kind of stuff. Then we were in China where nothing was open. You had to be very careful. And then we've been in a few other contexts in Asia uh, that are restricted. And so kind of the context has changed, but you know, it's the, the one overarching goal, kind of like our North Star, is to uh, reach people and to make disciples um, in the difficult places. And sometimes that's been more pioneering work, more focused on outreach. Sometimes it's more partnering with um, national believers and strengthening, equipping them, helping to disciple and train so that they can be the ones uh, to go and, you know, really reach into some of the, the challenging areas. Um, you know, it, it can be tough sometimes uh, raising a family overseas. You you don't have grandparents to help out. And, you know, once you have, you know, one child and two and three, you know, um, and uh, it, it can be, uh, you know, time consuming. It can be difficult in another culture. Um, but at the same time, you know, God's blessed our kids. Uh, we're so grateful. Um, and, you know, the kids are flexible. So they grow up and they just kind of adapt and they catch your passion as well. And so they, they really actually love uh, Asia. Um, you know, when we ask our daughter, uh, you know, who is now five years old, where are you from? She never says Canada. I mean, she's only been to Canada, like she was been there once, uh, basically after she was born and uh, she doesn't really remember it. So she always says the name of the city that we, we live in right now, that's where she's from, uh, which is pretty neat. Um, I, you know, for me, it kind of helps that I grew up overseas. And so I kind of have an insider's perspective on some things. And, uh, yeah, so that helps me to kind of be more sensitive to uh, the kids and to how they're feeling. Um, you know, through the pandemic, things haven't changed actually uh, too, too much in the sense of uh, ministry focus. Yes, we cannot travel like we used to. And so that's a big, uh, big change. Um, but we're still able to, to teach, to preach, to disciple uh, online um, and to partner with uh, those that we work with in the, the different countries around Asia. So, um, so yeah, even, you know, through the pandemic, uh, you know, we're still kind of focused on the main thing, the main calling, which is to reach into difficult areas and to disciple, to strengthen the church. So what do we, as we pray for you guys as a family, but also as we pray for the ministry that you do, what do we need to know about Asia in general that will help us to be able to pray for both you, but also for others who are doing ministry in that area. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that we could mention. Um, you know, I'd say probably the, one of the first things right now is for our global workers, uh, just for extra patience and strength. You know, many have not been able to travel back to Canada the last four years. Uh, I know for us, it's been four years, a number of others, um, so it's hard, you know, you're missing family, um, you're missing those relational connections, um, kids are missing their grandparents and so on. 
Uh, it's hard to raise finances. Of course, all of our global workers have to raise their own funds. And if you can't get back, see people face to face, it just makes it a little bit more challenging. Um, you know, some people have had uh, relatives uh, get sick or pass away and it's travel has been really difficult. And so there's just that, that uh, greater level of stress uh, that people are, are facing. And so do pray for the global workers, for the Lord's uh, strength during this time, the Holy Spirit's presence. Um, you know, also pray for creative ways to share the gospel, uh, especially with the restrictions uh, that are in place. And so many ministries have, um, you know, had to kind of scale back quite a bit. Um, a number of our global workers are involved in uh, things to do with schooling and different governments, different countries have really put a limit on face-to-face -face interaction in schools. And so that's just put a lot of challenges, um, you know, on them, on the kids, on their families, you know, locally and so on. Uh, so do pray for the Lord's strength for, uh, for them and, and just continue creative ways to share the gospel. Um, and then, you know, just generally the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, we need God's power to move through us. It's uh, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, uh, as the scripture says. And, you know, only God can soften hearts uh, in these restricted areas. Um, you know, there's a lot of opposition to the gospel and um, we need his help. And so uh, we, we depend on him and we depend on the prayers of people, uh, you know, back at home to lift us up and to uh, kind of strengthen us in, in our work here. So good. We will be praying uh, for you and other global workers working in that area. So Jonathan, I've asked if you'd uh, take about 10 minutes to share uh, with us on the topic of gospel to the ends of the earth. So I'm going to let you do that now. I'm going to change the view on our end and allow you to do that. Thanks, Jonathan. Well, thanks again, uh, Pastor Ryan, for the invitation. And, you know, some verses that have been on my heart and that I'll use kind of as the base for this is uh, Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 29 to 39. And I'm not going to read all of it, but it's basically the, uh, to recap, it's Jesus beginning his ministry. He's in Peter's hometown of Capernaum. Uh, he goes um, and he uh, begins to see amazing things happen. Uh, Peter's mother-in-law is healed. Uh, the entire town then kind of gathers at the door. Jesus is ministering. Uh, many people are healed. Demons are cast out. And it says that, um, I'll read verse uh, 33, the whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He drove out many demons and so on. So there's like a mini revival that happened here in Capernaum. And uh, then the next day, Jesus goes out and he spent some time in prayer quietly by himself. Peter comes and is looking for him. And he says in verse 37, uh, Peter found him and he exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And as he says this, I'm kind of imagining Peter in my mind. You know, Jesus is famous. He's needed. There's so much opportunity here. There's so many open doors. Jesus, why are you hiding away by yourself? Um, come, you know, there's like people knocking on our door. More people want to get healed. More people are bringing the, the demonized. Uh, they need to be set free. Uh, Jesus, there's so much need. There's so much opportunity. And then what does Jesus say? Uh, and this is kind of the key verse here. In verse 38, Jesus says, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. I want us to pause and think about that just for a moment. 
There was so much opportunity. And yet Jesus says, let us go somewhere else. You know, why go somewhere else when there's such a great response in Capernaum, when the doors were open? I can imagine, again, uh, you know, the pressure from Peter's family to stay close by to home. I can imagine his mother-in-law. His mother-in-law is happy with him, you know, uh, which is always a good thing in a marriage uh, when your mother-in-law is happy with you. And uh, she's like, you know, this Jesus you brought, he healed me. He's amazing. Stay here. You know, and then there's pressure probably from Peter's own ego. Um, you know, his friends in his hometown know him. He's like, wow, I'm the right-hand man of the Messiah uh, right here. And so there's all this pressure to stay in Capernaum. But that's not what Jesus wanted to do. He said, no, I must go somewhere else. So while there was a need in Peter's hometown, they'd already received a bit of the message. They'd already heard a little bit of the good news. And it was now time for those that hadn't heard to hear. It was time for those who had never had access to the gospel to hear the gospel message. And that is kind of burning on my heart uh, today because there are so many today other towns and villages um, using the phrase that Jesus used that have not had a chance to hear the gospel. They've had no access to the good news. And I'm going to mention now a few statistics. Maybe you're not a numbers person, um, but in this case, let's remember that each number represents a person. Each number is somebody that Jesus died for. Each number is somebody who will face an eternity um, and they need to hear about Jesus. So that number is pretty important. Now, the world today has about 8 billion people. It's actually about 7.9 billion. A lot of people, it's hard to wrap our minds around that. But here's a, a statistic that just always boggles my mind. Over 60% of that number live in Asia. So over 4.5 billion people in this world live in Asia. And another statistic is that 80% of all non-believers in the world live in Asia. So I mentioned that because while there's need everywhere, the vast majority of the unreached people in our world today, the vast majority of those that don't know Jesus live in Asia. If you think about all those in North America, all those in South America, all those in Europe, all those in Africa, that still only makes up two-tenths of the people that uh, you know, don't know Jesus. The rest, eight out of ten, live in Asia. Um, because in Asia, that's where the majority of the, the Muslims are, majority of Hindus, Buddhists, atheists, and so on. Uh, in Asia, just the population is here. And so this is really an area where there is so much spiritual need, um, so many physical challenges as well. Um, so much need is here. And it's easy to look at, you know, um, some of the challenges in North America. And yes, there are some, obviously, in Canada, there's lots. Um, and yet at the same time, uh, we've got gratefully churches everywhere, you know, throughout Canada. And we praise God for that. Um, but there's areas in this part of the world, you know, as well, the Middle East, as well, um, other areas, North Africa, and so on, where you can go for miles and miles and miles and miles and never see a church, never meet a believer. There is no witness. 
You know, in fact, by uh, the year 2050, there will be eight cities in the world with a population over 30 million people. That's basically the size of Canada. And that's a city. Most of those are in Asia. Most of those are, uh, you know, unreached or not reached very much. Um, and so, uh, anyway, there's just a huge, huge challenge in this part of the world. You know, an, an example, um, we used to live in China. We don't anymore, so that's why I can mention it. Um, and we used to live in a, a small city in China uh, of 1 million people. So that was quite small. The greater county was 7 million people. Now, in that area of 7 million people, the government allowed only one church. There was one government church for 7 million people. Now, imagine all of BC, that's about 5 million people. Alberta is about 4 million. And so think about all of BC and half of Alberta being restricted to only one church. Doesn't matter what denomination, one church. And uh, then you think, how in the world can people hear about Jesus if there's those kind of restrictions? If there's that kind of lack of light, so to speak. Um, you know, so let's say that that was the case in BC. And there was one church, and actually that church was in Calgary. How would you in Langley, how would your relatives in Langley um, get to know the gospel if the church is so far away? Um, and uh, so that's the kind of situation that we are facing uh, again and again in Asia and in North Africa, Middle East, and so on. Um, you see, that's why Jesus, going back to the passage, needed to go elsewhere. Because while there's need everywhere, um, some people just have no access to the good news. And so that's why he went. And I really believe that's what the Lord is uh, calling us as a church to um, today. You know what? Yes, there's need everywhere. Um, but where are those places that yet have not heard the good news? Um, and so it's vital to go to some of these areas uh, to witness to the unreached. You know, especially it's difficult these days with security concerns, with rising nationalism, with visa restrictions. So many countries are making it more and more difficult to actually uh, access, have access into those countries, to go, to be a witness. And so we have to be very creative. Um, but at the same time, God is at work. And so, um, you know, maybe just a few quick stories. Uh, you know, I've, I've mentioned a couple of times that we were in China and we were working with the underground church there. And so uh, even though in that one area, about 7 million people, there was uh, one government church. Uh, we worked with the underground church and they, they had at the time, uh, basically two uh, kind of locations where they met at. And so, you know, they're fairly small. Um, and we worked with them. We helped to disciple and so on. Others were there as well, helping to disciple, to uh, work with them uh, from our team. And uh, then we left. And uh, this is about 10 years ago. And just before the pandemic, we went back and we were able to visit with them. Kind of our, our last major international uh, trip that we were able to make. And uh, when we were there, we found out that now there are over 20 locations. Um, and so they've just multiplied. They have just grown. Um, and it's been very challenging for them uh, this last year, uh, not only with COVID, but also government restrictions. Uh, but the amazing thing is that, you know, when, when you plant the seed of the gospel, uh, the Holy Spirit just helps it to grow. Um, and so that was just so exciting to see. Uh, in our country right now, 
you know, there's a lot of refugees, uh, people that are trafficked here, um, and some very, very challenging circumstances. But, uh, you know, we've been able to be involved in some ministries that come alongside the refugees. Um, you know, one girl, I'll call her Fatima, that's not her real name. Um, she was trafficked here when she was about 17 years old um, from, you know, her country, and she was stuck basically in um, a large refugee camp of basically a million people and uh, had no prospect for life. She was uh, sent here with a, a bunch of others that were trafficked, survived a terrible weeks-long boat, boat ride to our country. Um, and basically when she landed, she was taken as a bride uh, for some guy she'd never met before, another refugee. Soon after that, she became pregnant. Um, and, uh, you know, so here's this girl. She doesn't know the language here. Uh, she doesn't have any family here. She's got no documents, no passport, um, no knowledge of mothering doesn't know what to expect, doesn't know the hospital system. Uh, she's got no status in this country and really can't get even uh, care at the hospital. And so uh, our team has uh, worked with some partners to help uh, establish a, basically ministry to uh, ladies going through this, young ladies, uh, maternity uh, program. And so we will walk with some of these young ladies who've been trafficked here and uh, walk with them through the process, help them get documentation, help them navigate the hospital system, provide training for what it's like to, to parent, to mother, uh, provide resources, and help them through this very difficult time. And as well, of course, uh, share and shine the, the light of Jesus uh, with them. Uh, one more uh, little story is that in Sri Lanka, uh, we work with a special needs school where neglected children uh, and their families finally get to hear about uh, a God that loves them. You know, unfortunately, in a lot of countries, that um, there, the worldview revolves around the idea of karma. Uh, you know, in North America, karma is kind of a, a cool idea sometimes that people talk about, joke about, you hear about in Hollywood. When you have a whole society that revolves around karma, it's a very negative thing because what karma says is that what happens to you in this life is because of something you did in your past life. And so children that are born with special needs um, the people in that community look at them and say, oh, they did something bad in their past life because they all believe in reincarnation or their parents did something bad and they're getting punished. That's the kind of view they have for these kids. And so they are neglected. They are not taken care of for the most part. Um, and so we work with a, a Christian lady who's established this school and we worked with her for many, many years and uh, have been able to help her to provide care, to provide um, the love of Jesus. Um, to these kids that otherwise would be neglected. And so we've been able to do that uh, for the last number of years and even through the pandemic. And so, you know, these are just some of the many kind of bright lights uh, in some of these dark places, spiritually speaking. And, uh, but, you know, there's so much need uh, around the world. And so my, my heart this morning is that you would kind of catch Jesus' passion for the other towns and villages. Um, and who knows, maybe uh, kind of like, you know, my wife felt, back when she was a little bit younger, you know, that um, uh, maybe God has not spoken directly. Maybe he's not given you an audible voice, but you can say, you know what, Lord, like Isaiah said, send me. Uh, Lord, if you can use my gifts, if you can use my talents, if you can use my passions, send me. Uh, because the reality is there's so many around the world that uh, need the love of Jesus and have no access to the gospel. So these are challenging days, but, um, you know, uh, the Lord is moving and there's also opportunities and with challenges come, you know, opportunities to uh, be creative and to do something perhaps a little bit differently than we've done it in the past. Um, but for 
with a passion for Jesus, a passion to make disciples, as Jesus said, and as Jesus called us to do. Jonathan, thank you for sharing with us today. Uh, so encouraging to hear the stories of how God is moving, but also good to hear uh, the challenge for us to consider the other towns and villages. So uh, I would just say on behalf of Living Waters to you guys uh, that we're praying for you, Jonathan. We're praying for Vera. We're praying for your kids. Uh, we love you guys. You're our representation there, and uh, and we love you deeply. And thank you for taking the time to connect with us today so that we can, uh, we can be encouraged in our hearts uh, by you. We deeply appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you once again, and we do really appreciate you all and uh, your prayers, your support over all these years. It's been a huge blessing to us and to so many over here. So again, thank you, and we really do appreciate it. Today, Ryan and I want to continue to introduce to you some awesome people that are part of our community. I'm thinking about our 10 Global Work families. If you haven't received one of these prayer cards, uh, we'd be happy to send uh, this to you electronically, or perhaps you could come by uh, the church uh, and uh, pick one up. Um, last Sunday, we introduced five of our Global Work families, and this uh, today, we want to, again, uh, consider uh, five other uh, Global Work families. I'm thinking uh, today about John and Nancy Engels. Uh, they serve, have a national role, and it's called Serve. Uh, they have on their minds the 280 post-secondary institutions that uh, gather university and college students across the country. And as you think about that community, there's a lot of students that uh, they serve. Presently, Serve uh, works with 60 uh, full-time uh, leaders um, and those that serve on these campuses. Uh, they have a beautiful, creative ways in which Serve uh, helps on these campuses. Um, they serve alongside local churches. They serve alongside student union. Uh, they serve um, many, even in some cases, church, churches are planted on campuses. Uh, they serve in creative ways during different times in which universities are celebrating different things. But how important it is for us to appreciate the ministry of Serve and sure love the heart of John and Nancy Angles. I have uh, my uh, adult children have either attended or attending university. What a what an opportunity uh, to be a part of students' lives at, at a critical time uh, in their lives. Yeah, I would love to introduce to you Nick and Cheryl DeConing. Nick and Cheryl work in Uganda and they work in restoring environmental, economic, and food security. So what they do is they teach about how to plant trees often. So their goal is to plant millions of trees in Uganda in order to uh, restore the environment, but also in planting these trees, it provides economic stability for those in the communities there. Uh, and it also provides food security so that those families can have food to eat from those trees. We've been able to partner with Nick and Cheryl on several projects that have uh, had wonderful effect in the communities that they're in. So we're really excited about what they're doing and uh, really excited to see what the long-term impact of Nick and Cheryl's ministry truly is. I remember the video uh, that they showed a couple years ago of standing in the field where the trees that we uh, donated to the purchase of were actually starting to grow. And I, 
uh, that that moved me so much that that we we have such good people in our community, and the Tacones are certainly them. Um, further, uh, consider Christo and Sarah Emanuel. They serve uh, as pastors uh, in a church that they planted many years ago. Sarah's from uh, Langley and uh, married Christo. What a great story! Uh, we don't have time for that today, but oh, this awesome young church is involved as a community church. They're feeding, they're teaching, they're partnering with businesses, and they also have multiplication on their mind. They, they, have a, they, they live well within their community, but they care about their country and have uh, just recently uh, planted a church in another district on the other side of the country, and it seems to be doing so well. And uh, the modeling, the DNA is there, and all the joy to see now two churches involved in the lives of Christian Sarah Emanuel. They're awesome people, we celebrate it. What a good, what good people to have in our community. We also want to introduce you to Alexei and Tanya Pankov. Alexei and Tanya have been working in, get this, Siberia for so many years and they've had wonderful work there. They've been working in a region called Altai for uh, many years now, but they have just recently moved this year to a major city in Russia called Novobirsk. Mm -hmm. I may have pronounced that wrong, my Russian's a little sketchy. But they've moved there, major city without many churches, to plant a church there. So we have a video that uh, Alexei has sent to us that shows us the community center that they want to move into, that they want to renovate, to be able to reach the community there. So uh, we're going to show that video so now, and I'll yeah, let, so let Alexei introduce you to that. So good. Hello, everyone. How are you? We are in Novosibirsk, and I want to show you a special place. Come, follow me. Are you ready to dream with me? We are in our place. We are going to rent for church and community center. Come. So look over here. Do you see something here? I do. It does look a little bit ugly and not beautiful, but I dream having a, a classroom for English classes, for English clubs, and some other training and seminars for people who live here. We need to build a wall here with a door. We need to put, come on, come on. We need to put a mobile wall. Because when church will grow, we are also gonna use it for services when we have more people. Come over here. We will start with the church here. Every Sunday we'll gather here. We have only 10 people, but I believe this place can fit about up to 50 people. With this place over here, we can fit up to 70 or even 90 people. Over here, if you follow here, we have a little room where we can have counselings for local people who I need and want to solve the family problems. So, this area, this place, this room, we want to use for church, for English clubs, for English courses, for seminars on marriage, uh, parenting, uh, on other psychological issues. We want to have counseling with people. We want to start Alpha Club, uh, Alpha Course, where we can introduce people uh, to Christ. We want to start 
outreach uh, programs, um, but we need your help. So can you help us to do the renovation and uh, to buy equipment, chairs, tables, uh, to put walls over here, to put insulation on the ceiling uh, that we want to interrupt people who live above us. Uh, if you want to be part of it and you want to help to uh, do the renovation and buy the equipment, follow the information below and follow the link you see on the bottom. Uh, we'll be happy to partner with you and reach people here in Novosibirsk. Thank you. God bless you. That is an awesome project that they're involved in. And if you would like more information about that specifically, uh, perhaps to be more informed or uh, perhaps to personally get more involved, let us know and we can direct you and put you in contact with the Pankaw. They're awesome people and wow, good to see them at this time in their lives, uh, such good things happening. Just for a moment, we wanna talk about congregational giving. Uh, for so many years, one of the values of Living Waters Church has been generosity. And that priority of generosity has allowed us as a community to be um, distributors, not really a storehouse, but a distributor of, of good resources towards uh, um, subsidies, towards relief, towards uh, helping people, towards coming alongside ministries. That's been our story, and it really continues to be a priority for us to be uh, generous as Jesus was generous. So let's talk about that practically just for a couple minutes. If we were to go on our church website or perhaps in a giving station in the lobby, uh, there's two directions that someone could go. One could go towards the giving of general offering or one could give towards uh, global work. So Ryan, help us understand uh, the differences that those donations make. It's a great question. That, that is I've, a good question. <laughs> I've been asked often. Uh, so yeah, there's there's two options there. And so our general giving is a place where we can give that uh, those funds go towards the ministries that we run here at Living Waters Church. They go towards salaries and buildings, and they also go to our generosity fund, uh, which is the 5% of that that we uh, take in and we set aside to be able to bless ministries and organizations here in the community. And so that's what the general fund goes to. The Global Work Fund, when we designate towards that, it means that, that those finances go specifically to global work. So they go towards the wonderful things that we've heard about over the past couple weeks of, of leaders being trained and churches being planted and all those wonderful things we've heard over, over the past couple weeks. So let's talk specifically about our global workers. So we have 10 uh, families within our community that are serving globally. These families have a responsibility to raise their finances for their budgets. And so our giving goes towards specifically to their budgets, correct? Absolutely. So we're excited about Global Work as a place where all of our values as a church intersect yeah, with practical yeah, action, yeah. which is a beautiful mm -hmm. thing. And so when we give towards that, we have a global perspective as to the gospel going to the ends of the earth, as Jonathan talked about. So our values intersect with practical action, action when we give to, to global work. Now, uh, the majority of those funds do go towards uh, our global workers and, and those budgets, so those 10 global work families. That's the majority of it. Another portion of that goes towards 
Uh, other projects, so special projects that might be attached to those global workers to short-term missions and also to denominational initiatives. So that's where the, the vast majority of that budget goes. I love your heart for uh, global work. Uh, you see it in your face, hear it in your expression. Um, I know you have great imagination for the future. So this is February 2022. Where do, where do we go from here? Yeah, I'm excited about what God's going to do this year. As we've heard from our global workers over the past uh, couple weeks, there are some amazing things happening over 2022, and, and we're praying and trusting the Lord to do some wonderful things. And we're excited. We're really excited about being able to celebrate that and be able to journey together through that. Now, for us as a community, I'm excited about us being able to lean into global work. So as we've talked about, there's three things that we can do. We can pray, and that's what those cards are for. We want you to remember to pray for our global workers. We can build community by reaching out to them. And then we can uh, also participate through finances like we're talking about today. So I would encourage each uh, individual and each family, each household, to be able to consider this week and ask the question, what could I do financially uh, with global work at Living Waters and to come up with an amount, maybe that's monthly or a yearly amount, to be able to say, I can do that, I can participate in that way with global work. As an example, my wife and I, we've determined an amount every month that we give towards global work. And we said, we can afford to do that. Yeah, it's a sacrifice, but it's not about the amount, it's about being able to participate as community and seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth. And I'm excited about seeing what God's gonna do through that. Absolutely, absolutely. What a good year uh, ahead for us. So again, for global work, we wanna be informed, we want to be inspired and we want to get involved. And that would be a call uh, of invitation for all of us, Living Waters Church for all of us. Uh, what will we uh, participate in this year as we consider local needs, as we consider global needs? Wow, the, the, the imagination that stirs up when we think about doing things together. God bless you. Uh, let's serve the Lord together. So many good things in the past, present, the future. God's good, he's with us. I'm excited.